I think that's one of those skills that people don't necessarily think about as a skill, telling stories, right? We all love to listen to stories. We all know people who are great storytellers. What we may not appreciate is the really good business storytellers, how much work, like you're saying, Gina, how much work and, and practice and feedback does go into that. This is Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast, here to help go-to-market leaders do one thing, stop guessing. If you're ready to unlock reality and reach your potential, then this show is for you. I'm Sheena Badani. And I'm Devin Reed, coming to you from the Gong Studios. The art of presenting and captivating your audience is more nuanced now that we live in a hybrid world. I'm sure you found yourself adapting to what works in a virtual environment versus what works in person. And you know that nailing big meetings is a huge part of success in sales. And that's why we have Robert Graham as our guest today. He's a public speaking guru who's also an executive coach. He founded his company, Gramcom, to coach executives on how to own the room and has made the pivot to coaching virtually as well as in-person speaking skills. Consider this episode your free coaching session with Robert and get ready for some insights that will help you master the art of presentation. Robert, we have a lot of amazing people on Reveal, but uh, not always is it also a good friend, someone I'm real familiar with and get to work with. So I'm extra excited to have you on the show. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I feel the same way, Devin. I was just thinking about not only do I know you both well, I've actually gotten to coach you both and sold to each of you. So it's kind of a unique dynamic we got going here. Absolutely. I don't think you know, anyone else can say they've sold to us. Maybe, maybe sold to us, but definitely not coached us. So that's, that's your unique differentiator. Well, I was going to say, that's why I'm extra excited as well is because you have coached us. And I can say the thing we're talking about today is the exact thing that you coached us on, which is presentation skills, which I think it's kind of like, maybe it's me, but like presentation skills doesn't always sound super interesting because I think there's so much underneath that phrase that is interesting that we'll get into today. But before we do, can you maybe introduce folks to Gramcom LLC and your role as president? And then we can kind of get into the, uh, the bulk of the conversation. I came from sales. I've been in sales my whole career in a bunch of different industries from health and fitness to I worked in the sailing industry for a while. I sold international telecom in Costa Rica for a while. At one point, I don't know if I've shared this with you guys, but I sold a kosher beer called Hebrew beer. Oh. <laughs> the chosen beer, they call it. And I started Gramcom. I kind of, I was, while I was in selling, I got involved in Toastmasters. It was just, I wanted to learn this, the skill around public speaking. And I just got super involved in it, did it for about eight or nine years. And it was during that time that I realized I really wanted to do two things. One, work for myself. And two, I wanted to get into the world of uh, professional development, of training and coaching and speaking. So I started Gramcom in 1999 and been doing it for the last 22 years. What an amazing ride and pretty cool industries that you've worked in too. It kind of like took me like a little vacation around the world. <laughs> it was pretty varied. I got to live in London for a while in the in the early 90s, actually. Well, late 80s and then early 90s in the health and fitness industry. And it was really early stages there in terms of health and fitness and health clubs. 
So I used to have these situations where I would take people for tours around the health club, and then we'd come back and I'd try and sell them health club memberships. And it was pretty expensive, this club that I was working at. And people would push back and they'd say, you know, it's 65 pounds a month. That's quite a bit. And I'd say, well, do you mind if I ask you just a few questions? And how much do you spend on ale each month? How, do, how much do you spend on cigarettes? And at the end of the day, it was like, well, there's 200 pounds on that stuff and 65 here. So interesting time. You said 65 pounds a month. And I thought, wow, that is a lot of weight to lose quickly. Those are great <laughs> results. Only to realize that is the currency. So 4.15 PM my time shows you where my brain's at. But that's great. That's great background, Robert. I think too, going back to what I said about presentation skills, right? So I, I, you've been in sales for years. I'd been in sales for a long time. And when Gong hired you to, you know, kind of be our like presentation coach and forgive me if that's not the exact right uh, label, I was kind of like, well, that's cool. That's, that's, that's fine. But like I've given hundreds of presentations like, and I've sold some deals. So how bad can I really be? And that's when you uh, really revealed like, well, there's so much more to truly being a great presenter, things like owning the room, uh, being memorable, uh, and then getting kind of tactical things, you know, like like hooks and storytelling. And so that's why I got, you know, again, really excited for this and, and always love working with you. But maybe just to kind of give us a starting point for our audience, what exactly are sales presentation skills to you and how do they impact conversations that salespeople have every day? When I think about sales presentation skills, it's really any part of what we call the, the sales conversation. So anything from, you know, building rapport to discovery to the actual presentation, handling objections or uncertainty, closing. It's literally every stage of that process, plus just the preparation, be knowing how to, how to approach a sales conversation, how to be well prepared for it. A lot of these things we don't think of as skills, something like connecting, building rapport, like genuinely building rapport. And yet there, there is a process to it. And uh, I, I'm smiling because I remember years ago, I went to interview this sales just giant. He used to sell for Tony Robbins. And I went there, I met him at his office in San Diego and, and I was going to interview him. And he said, well, before we do, why don't we go, let's go down the street, grab some lunch. We can build rapport and then we'll come back and do the interview. And I thought, that's such a funny thing to say, like, let's go build rapport. And, and yet during lunch, you know, we found out that we both love travel and we both love the same sports teams. You know, you know, we found these commonalities and sure enough, we came back to do the interview and it was so much better than if we had done it before lunch. And good credit to him too, for not letting uh, you interview him on an empty stomach. If you're anything like me, might've been a little crankier of an interviewer. So he's like, Hey, if you're hungry, let me, let me make this extra easy for myself. Fact. And we went out for delicious Thai food. So, you know, that really helped as well. So you kind of talked about like this one skill within presentation skills, which is building rapport. Why don't you kind of break down the rest of like the components of excellent delivery, you know, excellent presentation skills with that sales context that reps and sellers should be thinking about in their toolkit of presenting? When I think about the way we're selling today and almost all of us are doing what we're doing right now, right? We're, we're virtual. And there's a few things that that can give people just an immediate win without even having to improve their skills or do anything. And so a couple of them are, are procedurals. One is, is just dialing in your virtual set setting. So if you're working at home, wherever it is, 
you know, things like camera and mic and lighting and background and framing, right? These are all part of your prospect's experience when you jump on a call with them. This is all part of their experience of you. And it's just a quick win for people realizing that we're all going to be doing this for a long time. Even, even once the pandemic has passed, clearly we're going to be doing a lot more virtual selling than we were doing before. So it makes sense to, you know, spend a little money and, um, and get yourself set up well. So that's one. The, the, another thing I'd mention is making sure that people have their videos on. And this is kind of a strange thing to mention, but so many of the people that we coach, they go into these sales situations where the client, everybody's on mute, everybody has their videos off. And so they're just speaking into this black hole. They get, they get no feedback, no engagement. And, you know, all that data shows that both the seller and the buyer gets so much more out of these interactions when everyone's video is on. And so we do, you know, a couple of things we do is when we send out the invitation, we'll say in the invite, we'll say, look forward to having everyone's video on and fully participate so that we can get the most out of this. And then even once we jump on the call, if some of the people don't have them on, we'll give them a, we'll, we'll give them a nudge or say, or even phrase it as a question and say, Sheena, should we, should we turn our videos on? We're on Zoom. Should we turn? And most people will reluctantly say, all right, let's do it. And then we all get more out of it. I was just going to add one more because neither one of those is actually a skill. And you asked about skills. The other one that I would call out is storytelling. And Devin, you're the master at this. I take notes when when you're on the mic because you do such a great job at this. I think we all know how important it is as sellers to to use stories, but we don't all do it well. And I'll tell you a story about stories. Just this morning, actually, I was pitching. I had a big pitch to one of the biggest defense contractors in the world. And they want us to provide sales presentation course to them. And we were talking about stories and they said, sometimes people come in and they're, they're presenting to us. And we have, we have literally admirals sitting at the table. And they'll come in and tell a story about, you know, the puppy that they bought over the weekend or something that's just not connecting. So we all know storytelling is important. It's also important to tell the right kind of story and, and the right way as a skill. It's so interesting, you know, like when you look, think about presenting in the old days, you know, pre-being virtual, there was a concept of being professional, the professionalism, and how does that show up? And it was in having your slides that were perfect and your suit and tie and dress, and like that was looking sharp and how you shook somebody's hand. There were all those components of which many of those have fallen off and they're not even relevant anymore. And others have come into play and it's how you're setting yourself up in that, on that virtual stage that really demonstrates that professionalism now. 100%. And again, I, I just see it as a quick win. Spend $100, $150 and really dial in your, your studio and it will dramatically affect the way you come across to people. There's some of those quick wins, but then there's like the other side, like storytelling, for example, which will require years and years of practice and uh, you know something that you really need to hone and where you can get further development and feedback from others to continuously be better. 
completely. I think that's one of those skills that people don't necessarily think about as a skill, telling stories, right? We all love to listen to stories. We all know people who are great storytellers. What we may not appreciate is the really good business storytellers, how much work, like you're saying, Gina, how much work and, and practice and feedback does go into that. It's funny you mentioned that, Robert, because I used to think that storytelling was like a cocktail party trick. Honestly, like, yeah, and you know, cocktail parties and social gatherings, like, yeah, I can be that guy. I can be entertaining. But like in the business professional, that's like a different, you know, that's a different type of skill or, you know, it's like a hobby now. It's not really like a skill. But you know, having worked with you and just, you know, and, and other presentations is like, it's really an attention game. Can you, can you grab and keep someone's attention? Because if you can't do that, they're not going to buy. Right. And they're going to they're going to zone out. It's like what you're saying, Sheena, is like when you're in a conference room with me, other than just being blatantly rude and looking at your phone, you're stuck with me. I'm who you got today. Right. And you got to give me the 30, 60 minutes. Virtually, it's very easy to be more. I don't want to say I say disrespectful lightly, but like, you know, looking at my phone while you're talking, because maybe it's under the monitor, you're, you know, under the screen, you can't see it. Or, you know, my eyes divert to the right for a few seconds at a time because I'm checking email. I'm doing it right now, Devin. Yeah, yeah, probably. I've been monologuing. I can't imagine you're paying attention still. But you know what? You're virtual. Like that's to me the first step. It's not. It's not like you said. It's not just you know how presentable you are, or even the you know the the deck. It's like are you presenting it in a way and yourself in a way that's going to grab and keep attention? Because that's that's the number one thing. And there's so many more distractions in your home office or your living room, wherever folks are working from. So that's why like it seems like small wins and they are. They're small changes that make huge impact on how you perceive and, and ultimately how your deal is going to go. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. And it's funny when I talk to a prospect and they're, they, they want to do a presentation training or a sales presentation training. And, I, you know, I always ask, what what are you trying to solve for? Like, what are the main skills that you want to work on? And that is always at the top, Devin, is how to engage. Our people need to be better at engaging and re-engaging uh, throughout the whole the sales presentation. And of course, it's a combination of a bunch of things. It's what you say, it's how you say it, it's your voice, it's your body, it's your pace, it's the lighting, it's, it's everything. But that is such a challenge these days, because like you say, in, in the conference room, people can at least feign like they're paying attention. They're much better behaved. These days, mm -mm. you got to be, it reminds me of that, was it Steve Martin said, you got to be so good, they can't ignore you. Yes. And I, I'm excited because uh, I have that quote in my office. I have that quote in my office. It's so good. Be so good that people can't ignore it. Well, here's a question for you, Robert. At Gong, we're really big at ga on game tape, right? Which is watching yourself after a presentation and, and with the desire of getting better. So I'm, I'm curious in kind of the presentation communications world that you're in, what's your take on game tape? As you can imagine, I'm, I'm a huge huge proponent of it. Every every presentation course or coaching that we do, we're always recording. Not only recording, but then we make people actually watch the recording. That's, that's the tough part. And for me, actually, this came from Toastmasters. I, I was the, this club, I was a member of a club that met in San Francisco downtown every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. It was just insanely painful. I still don't know how I did it. For that long <laughs> but this is ages ago we had one of those giant vhs recorders and a big old tripod and they would record every speech that people gave and then they'd give it to us and we'd go home and we'd watch them 
And it was so interesting because, you know, Gong's all about reality. And it really highlighted this disparity between what we thought was reality and what actually was happening. So when you're on stage at Celebrate, you're having your own experience, right? That's your reality, but that's not necessarily the same reality that, that we have. And so, for example, you know, your heart might be pounding and your palms are sweating, but you go up there and you're, and you're so prepared and you're passionate. And so to us, we have a different take of it. And, and when you watch the game tape, people get to see objectively how they're actually coming across to the world, which is often, again, different from, from what they think. It's funny, the Celebrate one, I got the recording. I actually got it later that night because I was so eager to watch it back. And what's always interesting is the things I thought I nailed, I didn't do as good as I thought. And the things that I thought I kind of bombed or, or, or stumbled actually weren't that bad. So it's always this like nice reality check of like, oh, okay, there's some definitely some room to improve and, and things aren't always that they seem. And Sheena, I know you do a lot of presenting too. I feel like the presentation itself, time is so fast like fast, like it feels like everything's moving really, really quickly. And you look at the game tape and you're like, no, it's just normal speed. Like it's, re it's you know, re reality in the sake of like what, you know, the speed we're used to. I don't know if she knows that the same for you too. Oh yeah. It's like you're in like a different, like in a warp zone and time has like a different dimension and it goes by so quickly when you're on stage. Uh, like it's over before you know it. And you don't even have that, um, mental capacity to like think about, you know, you may have been thinking about 10 different things when you were practicing your stance and your delivery and the slides and the audience. But when it's happening real time, at least for me, like I can't focus on all of those things. It's like, okay, we're just on and we're doing it now. <laughs> it's so true. And it, you know, it's one of the reasons why we're, as, as you both know, we're such strong proponents of practice, of doing it over and over out loud, not memorizing, but just doing it over and over out loud so that you have that physical experience, that muscle memory, so that you don't have to try and think of everything at once. And what I always notice is that things are, everything is less than you think it is. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Like you might come down from the, from the stage or from a presentation or Zoom or whatever and think, God, that was great. I mean, my energy was up here and I was, I don't know if it's a pause or eye contact or whatever it was. And you watch the tape and it's always less. So your pauses are shorter. Your eye contact is briefer. Your energy is lower. And so it's, it's funny. It's that distortion that happens when you're presenting. Robert, when you're coaching folks and they're looking at game tape, recordings, what, what do you have them look out for? Are there like three, five, maybe maybe more, maybe less, like key things you like always look for the, for these few attributes? First thing I'll say is it, it's not easy. And wine helps with watching it. <laughs> <laughs> There's your first action right there. Get a little bit of wine uh, if that's your if that's your flavor. And then and then look at the game film. Exactly. Wine, tequila. I, I will also say that it gets a little bit easier the more you do it. And so at, at Gong, you guys are so good about recording everything and analyzing everything. And you kind of become desensitized to the, the potential trauma around it. And it's funny when people watch their videos for the first time, it, I call it the vanity viewing, because initially all their reactions and observations are things like, I need to join a gym. 
I need a haircut, you know, I dress funny. But once you get past that stuff, you can really start to zero in on some of the, yes, the messaging, of course, the messaging is important, the, the verbal, but then, but then there's the nonverbal. And especially if you're, if you're doing something like Zoom or, or video presentations, really be aware of things like framing, facial expressions, right? This is a big one. I tend to have kind of a, you know, a dour, neutral, a bitchy resting face. I'll just say it. And so <laughs> I've had to become more aware of that over the years, because when you're on Zoom, everybody's paying attention, even when you're not talking. So I encourage people when they, when they get their recordings, do two things. One is close your eyes and just listen, just listen to the vocal communication and then do the opposite, turn the volume down and then just watch and even fast forward and fast reverse it so that you can see all your gestures and your facial expressions and everything accentuated. And what we, we have people do is make a list of what are your opportunities to develop right? Those always jump off the screen at people, but also what are you doing well? You know, what are your strengths that you can really lean into? Are you, are you a great storyteller? Are you a really passionate speaker? Do you have this natural sense of when to pause and, and let something breathe with people? So you gotta, you gotta know what your strengths are also. And I think we can sometimes be harsh on ourselves too, where you feel like, oh, my list of the things I can improve have 50 things on them and what am I great at? I'm not really sure. So maybe even like pulling in a friend or a colleague or somebody else to help with that assessment. What do you think about that, Robert? Boy, that's so true. Uh, because almost everybody is way too self-critical. And it's funny, I will always, so we do these multi-day presentation trainings and the homework after the first night or the second night is go home, watch your videos, come back ready to discuss what you liked and what you didn't like. And it's so hard for people to come up with things that they liked, but their colleague will chime in and, you know, they'll have a long list of things that, that people did well. And in the same vein, just back to this concept of practicing, but practicing in front of people, not just your colleagues and your coworkers, but try it in front of your kids or your spouse. If you want some really candid feedback, give that a shot. I'm afraid, I'm afraid to ask that audience for feedback. It's tough. You got to wear your thick skin for that one, Devin. There's a good exercise, Rob, I remember you had us do, which was really interesting. I'm going to put it into terms of like an elevator pitch for sales, but it was me, I think it was Shefa and Yoni, one of which has an accent. And I'll get to the why I brought that up in a second. But you had us, I think, basically write our intro and then read our intro, all three of us, and do what you just said, which was give some, give a positive piece of feedback and then give something that could have been better. The really interesting part was Shefa speaks really quickly. She does speak quickly and she called that out. And uh, Yoni has a, I would call it medium accent. I can understand it. But he came into it thinking like his like concern was like my accent will be too thick. And then they both did their, their intro. And both of those people thought those were like kind of their weaknesses. I put air, you know, air quotes and weaknesses. But in fact, my compliment was Shefa, you did a great job pausing. I actually, I thought you did great. And Yoni, your accent is... Totally fine, man. No one's getting lost in the sauce there. And you could see like this relief of like, oh, it's not that bad. And I'm actually, they could be strengths in some ways. So just kind of putting like a, a bit of a pin on that concept of like really getting someone else's feedback and giving yourself some benefit of some positive feedback to start this kind of 
you know, presentation journey, if you will, it was cool to see such early and quick wins for these folks. And now they're fantastic presenters. I remember that as well. And I, you know, one commonality is that people tend to be better than they think they are. And a few of the things, and you called out one of them, a few of the things that people realize when they watch their videos is that number one, they don't look as nervous as they may feel. And that's, that's almost across the board. You know, if you're presenting and again, your heart's pounding, whatever physiological symptoms you're having, then you watch the video and you're like, people can't even tell. So that's one. Another one is that things tend to make more sense than you think they're making when you're saying them at the time. You know, yeah, I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but you're in the middle of a presentation or something and in your head, you know, you have those internal thoughts and in your head, you're going, what the hell am I saying? This is making no sense. But if you ever watch them later, it actually you're like, yeah, that, that I was putting together coherent sentences. And then the third one is what you called out, Devin, which is that people, a lot of times, if, if English is not their non-native language, they'll think that accent is a bigger deterrent or a, or a bigger challenge than it actually is. And it's really helpful for people to be able to let go of stuff like that and just say, all right, well, that isn't a problem. What, what do I work on next? Getting your audience's attention is one thing, but the real beast is keeping it, especially when presenting to a virtual audience. A survey revealed that four out of five business professionals tend to tune out from the speaker they're watching at least once during their presentation. Guilty as charged. In a virtual world, distractions are even more prevalent than they were in person. During virtual presentations, focus on how you can use the virtual environment to your advantage. Consider adding a real-time poll or survey to keep your audience engaged, or insert Q&A breakouts to ensure that the focus stays on you and not their email inbox or their phone. Another key piece to keeping your audience's attention is actually knowing who your audience is and what they care about. After you've crafted your presentation, always take time to revisit your content through the eyes of your audience. Think about what they care about most, what they want to get out of your content, and where they'll find the most valuable information. Then you can focus on inserting attention-grabbing content in the places where you might lose them. Here's more from Robert about leaning into what you know about your audience. Robert, I'm curious, like, so for folks in go-to-market professions, like some of their presentation engagements are going to be with clients. Others are internal. So for a sales leader, they are presenting to their org or you need to lead a cross-functional meeting or some something of that nature. Are there any nuanced tips or things to consider for those internal sessions that may not be relevant externally or vice versa? Well, I think the, f the first one that comes to mind is you, you just have a lot more intel to work with if it's an internal presentation. And by that, I mean, this can be around personality. You potentially, hopefully know the people that you're going to be presenting to. You may know their, their idiosyncrasies, their quirks. This defense contractor we were presenting to this morning, they told me before the call, we had a pre-call meeting yesterday to prep for today's call. So I talked with two people yesterday to prep me for the big call with the whole team today of seven people. And they said, look, the last two vendors who have come in have crashed and burned. And so we wanted to have this call with you today to help you be prepared. And I said, well, 
tell me, what did they do? How did they crash? And they said one of them just came in and they they were pitching something that we didn't need. They were pitching basic presentation training when what we need is something much more sophisticated about how to influence C-level executives. So they missed the mark on that one. And as soon as they did, the people in the meeting just shut off. They, they were still there, but not mentally. The second one was, uh, the second one, they apparently got too, like, too cutesy somehow. And again, these are, these are ex-military people who, they have 15 minutes for this meeting. They, they don't have time for that. So it's, it's really helpful to, like, the more intel you can gather, the better your chances are and the easier it is for you to prep. The call before the call, as it's called. How about that? But no, it is true. The better you know your audience, the more you can deliver it. And uh, I'm sure we've all been there. Maybe not cutesy, but you know, not quite hitting uh, the keynotes early enough, especially when it's a C-level exec, high stakes meeting. I love too that they called you in because you know whoever called you for that pre-call was like, hey, it's our job to bring in this vendor. And our first two that we brought in didn't make us look very good. And that's an angle you can use as a seller is like, hey, how do I make you look good in this meeting? Like if you're bringing me to your boss, what, you know, what's going to make you look good? And that's a great way to open up. What do they like? What do they dislike? What has worked in the past? What hasn't? And then you can build your, your strategy around that. So true. And the more specific examples you can get from them, like, tell me what happened. Tell, tell me, what do I, what are the landmines here? What are the blind spots? What should I look out for? What's your, what's the culture like? That Intel is so useful. So Robert, we ask all of our guests one question. It's the same question. And I know you've listened to some episodes, so you may know what it is, which is how would you describe sales in one word? Preparation. Do you have any any ways that you prepare that maybe we didn't talk about today? Maybe part of your playbook? Maybe, maybe how you prepared for this podcast interview? Well, funny enough, I'm glad you brought that up. I it, it may not show, but I did actually prepare quite a bit for this. Um and your team initially, we had an initial call and then you sent me the questions. And then for each question, I kind of thought through what points, topics I might want to cover for each of those. And then before we turned on the camera this afternoon, I did a run through out loud, answering each of these questions, just kind of walking through what I what I planned to say for each one. And then when the actual camera, when the camera was rolling, the Questions were a different order and the whole thing flowed, but I had basically been through this conversation with you guys already. So it felt very familiar. One thing I would do for sales presentations was like go through what you said, but like obviously I'm the one asking the questions. And I would go, where could this go sideways? Where what question could they hate? What question could they go, yeah, but and go a different direction? And obviously that could create a whole, a whole mess of like what ifs. But I I've found just like you said, walk through, well, what if they do turn the question back on me or this or the other? You don't get caught on your heels quite so much. You know what I mean? You kind of roll with that conversation because nothing tougher than being, uh, like you said, maybe with some admirable, admirables, admirals or some C-level execs and get caught on your heels. And before you know it, you're on the ropes trying to trying to get back on your feet. Yeah. And then you start sweating and, and your brain stops working and then, you know, you're done. Well, Robert, thanks again for hanging out with us. Lots of great nuggets for folks to take home and hopefully put into use later today or tomorrow if you're listening to this at night. So thank you again, Robert. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Great having a conversation with you too. 
If you're ready to own the room on your next sales call, or if you want to improve your sales team's virtual selling abilities, head over to gong.io for more resources and check out how revenue intelligence can help you. And if you liked today's episode, go ahead and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you're listening.